The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. Thanks for listening this week. Jesse Karangu and Garrett Seawright both scheduled to join me. They will be talking about Stephen A. Smith and about Nielsen getting involved in Thursday Night Football on Amazon, respectively. Please do us a favor, like, rate, subscribe on whatever service it is you are listening to this on, and download some other Barrett Sports Media Network podcasts as well. In the meantime, let's get things started. So I wrote a story earlier this week, or I guess I wrote a column, really. Uh, It was about Bob Chapek and the fact that under Chapek's watch, ESPN, in my opinion, has never been more valuable to the Walt Disney Company than it is right now. And I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that. And I sort of explained my background here in covering both movies and the theme park industry uh, with past, you know, writing podcasts, all kinds of stuff. So I've understood and seen what the most vocal members of the Disney fan community, how they respond to a guy like Chapek and the way he leads, right? And so when it comes to the parks, when it comes to movies, I understand that Chapek is probably not the strongest leader of the company. But for a product like ESPN specifically, as that network rethinks what its future is in terms of where it is available, in terms of what sort of business opportunities are presented to it, Chapek is the perfect guy to lead this thing forward. I mean, it is going to take some rethinking of some long-held beliefs inside that company for ESPN to ever really fully capitalize on what it could do should it license its name to a sports book, should it really take on sports betting business the way it could. But I think it is worth it. And I think that you turn to a guy like Bob Chapek in this moment because for all of the complaints about him not knowing how to deal with people, being all about the bottom line and you really can't do that, you really can't operate in the hospitality industry or in the entertainment industry that way, we've got to kind of look at ESPN as a technology product now, right? And if you want to keep all of the people you like there employed, you have to figure out where are the biggest upsides in terms of profitability, revenue generation, et cetera, et cetera. And I think you need someone to come in there and kind of rattle the cage and open the eyes of everybody that sits on that Disney board to what is possible if you let ESPN just be ESPN. So look, if to you the best product the Walt Disney Company makes is a Marvel movie, or if it is Space Mountain, or The Haunted Mansion, or It's a Small World, Bob Chapek probably is not your guy. You are rightfully probably pissed off with the way he has run your favorite sectors of that company. But he does seem tailor-made. His mindset does seem tailor-made to be dealing with ESPN in a time where sports media is changing so rapidly. When we talk about what are the most watched 
shows on various streaming services, you go by numbers reported by the services for the first time, though. And this shouldn't be a surprise that it's related to the NFL and Thursday night football. Nielsen is actually going to measure how many people are watching prime video when it comes to Thursday night football. Certainly, this is the kind of thing that advertisers are going to want to know. The NFL is going to want to know. So Amazon could not help but work out a deal with Nielsen to do this. Garrett Seawright is joining me right now, one of the editors for the site. Garrett, we're going to talk about a lot of things as it relates to the uh, mm -hmm. oncoming season, a brand new era for Thursday Night Football on the streaming side of things. But football aside, how big of a deal is this that we are actually for the first time going to get, whether they are accurate or not, at least Nielsen numbers reflective of a streaming show's audience? Well, I think it's it, it opens up kind of a Pandora's box from a couple of different aspects, right? Like, does does this lead to more streaming platforms clamoring for Nielsen numbers? I don't know. I also was a little surprised that Amazon probably objectively has better numbers than Nielsen's going to provide, right? Like, they're going to have access to all that data. You would think so. And I, I wonder how much of that. This is actually one of the things I wanted to get to, because I mentioned, you know, when services, when we hear, oh, The Mandalorian is the most streamed thing on TV mm -hmm. or, oh, new um, new season of Stranger Things is the biggest thing streaming on TV right now. We are going based off of the numbers that either Disney, Netflix or whoever reports to us. Right. I, I could see because this is the first time that one of these services is taking advertisers, I could see how the NFL would tell them that's not good enough. Well, and that was going to be my, you know, like, is it strictly a credibility thing? Like, right. Hey, you can, you can sing your praises to whatever advertisers you want, but if they don't believe them and they will believe Nielsen, well, guess what? <laughs> you gotta, you gotta subscribe to Nielsen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that is, that is sort of the, I mean, look, I got, this is going to sound like I can't stand Nielsen and don't trust him, but that kind of is the Nielsen hustle, right? No, I was going to say nobody likes Nielsen except for like first place radio stations. And even those even those people probably don't like Nielsen. Uh, all right. So Amazon has already sort of braced advertisers and the NFL for look, things aren't going to be what you expect from primetime NFL broadcasts. In fact, even from last year, we expect a smaller Thursday night football audience this year. That's not a surprise. And I wonder what realistically do you expect Amazon to do to try and build up the audience? I mean, they can't just go around giving away fire sticks, right? I mean, they probably could. <laughs> they got they got cash for days. No, I I find I found the story that you know more than fifty percent of NFL fans didn't know that Thursday Night Football was on Prime Video. One is an interesting is all get out because I just assume that everybody follows the NFL business like I do. Sure, uh, obviously that's not the case, but. How do you how do you build the awareness campaign? Are, is Amazon going to buy ads during Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football and the NFL on CBS and Fox? I don't I don't know. I I find that whole dynamic super interesting. That um, that first Thursday night when even if forty percent of the people still haven't figured out that it's on Prime Video and they flip to Fox, CBS, or NBC and go, where in the world is this football game that I want to watch? Wait, I've got to subscribe to. Yeah, I, I I think the like the social media reaction that first Thursday night is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, what's interesting is we saw this with baseball, right? We saw this with the yeah. games on Apple TV Plus and with Peacock and all of the 
ranting and raving about it. And look, baseball's got an older audience for the most yeah. part. Baseball doesn't have the built-in betting component that it just, I mean, forget sports books and where it is and isn't legal, that fantasy football alone is, right? I think people will be more motivated to go find where their game is. I, I would say this though, the NFL has done a better job in the last two or three years of sort of following that NBA model that the NBA does every every Friday night on ESPN, every Thursday night on TNT. They're telling you where the next nationally televised games are, and it doesn't matter, you know, it, Turner, if you don't want people watching a Disney product, if you are part of the NBA's media group, you are in this together. Uh, the NFL obviously did a much better job of making their TV partners do that. Your point about buying time or getting that bump from, you know, Joe Buck on Monday Night Football saying, hey, and next Thursday, it's the Buccaneers and the Panthers on Thursday Night Football. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. The other thing that I do kind of wonder if we'll see Amazon do is do they make big primetime buys specifically on Fox where people were used to going for Thursday Night Football on Thursdays at eight o'clock, letting people know, hey, the game's not here. The game is streaming exclusively on Prime Video. I think you're going to have to put out a full out, uh, an all out awareness campaign of, hey, you are used to watching it here. Mm -hmm. Not going to happen. It's it, it's different now, and and I think that's just the one way to go about it because I I, I don't know if any any way other than beating people over the head with that information is going to get through to them that this, unless you are, unless you, the city that you live in, your team is in the game on Thursday night, you have got to go to prime video on your smart TV or your fire stick. Definitely not your Roku, strictly your fire stick. Has the NFL done a good enough job of putting it out on front street that they have an Amazon exclusive game every week. I mean, there was a nice little moment, the first round of the NFL draft, uh, but I really haven't seen the NFL put this thing in the spotlight since then. No, I would say no. I don't I don't think that they have done a good enough job. In a situation, in a climate where everybody hates everything, people love Amazon. Just, well, as long as you don't work for them. That's true. That's true. As long <laughs> as you're not working in a warehouse. Uh, no, people love Amazon and people generally hate the NFL like corporate office. So why wouldn't you want to use that goodwill up for yourself and hype up day after day? Hey, we're partnering with Amazon, 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 Amazon and the NFL, Amazon and the NFL. Why they haven't done that, I don't know. I don't think there's anybody at our site that keeps up with what is going on on sports television quite like my guy Jesse Karangu, who is joining me now. Jesse, it was a big week for ESPN by virtue of Stephen A. Smith's return alone. But, I mean, I made the joke on Twitter that he was dressed like a lawyer that advertises in Tennessee's media guide. <laughs> I saw people say Orange Bowl Selection Committee. I'm going to read you a text I got from a friend that is a talent on another network, not ESPN. Quote, what is this tangerine shit on Stephen A. Smith? Whether <laughs> <laughs> on a boat was one thing, but coming back in that bright orange suit, man, he made a statement that Stephen A. is back. But here's the thing. Only Stephen A. Smith could pull that off. He's the only guy in the sports media hemisphere that can wear whatever he wants, say whatever he wants, and pull it off. Maybe Charles Barkley. But other than him, uh, Stephen A. just has a charisma and a love that people have for him that 
no one else will be able to establish probably till the end of time. He, he bordered on two things, right? If that coat had a checker element or a plaid element to it, we'd be saying Craig Sager. If it had <laughs> bigger shoulder pads, we'd be saying late 90s, early 2000s, Steve Harvey. Uh, but everything <laughs> came together perfectly uh, for Steve and A. He definitely was, was out there looking like one of the kings of comedy, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he definitely <laughs> was. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies ever, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Let's let's talk about that re-debut because clearly ESPN got what a big deal it was to have Stephen A back after a summer of him being out recovering from surgery. I mean, Molly Karam was still on first take, Mad Dog, Jay Will, all these guys that make regular appearances were still there, but Stephen A is the glue. So whether it is putting them on a boat, whether it is bringing back Michael Irvin, who doesn't show up outside of the football season, they got that they had to roll out the red carpet and make this a big deal. It was unbelievable. So uh, according to ESPN's PR site, they report that uh, one of their vice presidents of production uh, decided to come up with the idea of, hey, Stephen A is coming back. Let's put him on a boat. You know, let you know <laughs> Stephen A, when he's on his show, he loves talking about how much he loves tropical paradises like L.A. and Miami. So why not bring the tropics right to him? And I think <laughs> it just shows that that Stephen A is, is, is one of the most important figures in sports television history. I mean, we look at his story. Uh, at one point, he was the most hated at right. ESPN, the most hated in sports television. Uh, eventually, he got kicked out of uh, ESPN. And to see his transformation and to see how he's been able to overcome all of these uh, battles of uh, misconceptions about him and the fact that he's able to be his true, authentic self on television, whether you like it or not, you have to admire it. So let's talk about the true authentic self thing, because on Wednesday it was announced that he is going to be writing a memoir uh, called Straight Shooter. Uh, it will be out in January, but available for pre-order right now. You know, I have I guess it never dawned on me before because I have heard Stephen A on like Dan Levitard's podcast, right? Saw him on Bomani Jones's first episode of his show on HBO. It's clear Stephen A will do these sort of introspective interviews for people he likes and trusts, but it just never dawned on me how little we actually know about him until we started talking about it Wednesday morning on First Take, announcing the book. It's so interesting that, you know, normally what's been working in uh, sports television and in television as a whole is these personalities and these people who take you into their lives, who show you who their families are, who who are there with you uh, when they're in the hospital. You know, Robin Roberts is somebody <laughs> right. I recall when, when she was battling with her uh, cancer bout uh, multiple times. She took us into her hospital room. She, We met her wife. We met her sister, her mom. Stephen A might talk about his family once in a blue moon, but we really don't know much about him. And it's kind of interesting how he's been able to still be popular, still be well-known, have people still have such a deep connection with him uh, while also not really knowing much about him. And I, I'm really interested to see. I think he's I think he's uh, the only son out of his um, all of his mother's children. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how he grew up, how it's affected him, uh, why it built his love for sports, and, and what he's had to overcome in this industry as, as a Black man, as a boisterous figure, as a HBCU graduate, uh, as a former newspaper writer. There's so many, uh, you know, trials and tribulations that I'm sure he's had to overcome due to all those aspects of his life and his career that I can't wait to read about. And I know it's definitely going to be intriguing for sure. So he was tied to Skip Bayless for such a long time as a part of First Take. And I think reputation-wise, they may still be tied together. 
to a certain extent. You know, I, I think you brought up something interesting in saying the things that you have to overcome as a boisterous black man on TV. Like, I, you know, it's it's very fair to say they don't always get the benefit of the doubt that the white guys do, right? So I wonder what it is that you think Stephen A either did, what situation it was he put himself in where maybe not for everybody, but to a certain group of people, Stephen A did elevate above that just here to scream the craziest things ever. And Skip Bayless really never did. What What was the difference in your mind between what the two of them did? I think, I think Stephen A just decided that he was just going to be himself no matter what. He has uh, reporting skills that Skip Bayless doesn't necessarily have. He has sources Skip Bayless doesn't necessarily have. He talks to these players uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, and I think the most uh, interesting part is that you know, Steven has always decided that he's just going to be him no matter what. No one's going to change him. And Skip does feel the same way, but Skip just doesn't seem to have the same sensitivity uh, that Stephen A does. Uh, Skip is kind of the person who just doubled down, doubles down, triples <laughs> right. down, quadruples down and says, if you don't like me, don't watch me. Uh, Stephen A being on a bigger platform with uh, ESPN and also Stephen A just... Uh, having a better connection with athletes than Skip ever has and being able to uh, be his authentic self while also being able to be culpable of his actions and mistakes have been what has set him apart from Skip. So Wednesday morning on First Take, and we'll wrap up here, uh, Stephen A. Smith said that this was a book he could not write until his mother had passed away. Um <laughs> Yeah. What kind of what kind of selling uh, what kind of marketing strategy is that? Are you more interested to read the book now? Here, now? I, I'm definitely more interested to read the book, and and I wouldn't be surprised if we see this uh, turning into a vehicle for movies or a TV show or uh, look, a documentary of some type. He's in the Disney family, right? Disney made a uh, biopic out of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he's not even what 26. Like, yeah, surely they can come up with something <laughs> for Stephen A. <laughs> this concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review and check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.